Hello, and welcome to a sex, drugs, and spirituality slash decency with DeLorean swap cast. That's right. I am doing a swap cast with my own two podcasts. And why, you ask? Simple. Uh, I'm doing a solo pup date, and my other show, which about five of you listen to, Decency with DeLorean, is a solo show. And I figure if I'm going to be talking alone into a microphone, even if it is for sex, drugs, and spirituality, it is by default also a Decency with DeLorean. And how exciting for you that you can hear my voice uninterrupted by the voice of another person. Just pure, unfiltered DeLorean. Um, so you're welcome, everybody. I do this for you. It's not it's not about me. Even though it is me talking about me, it's not about me. It's about you. Um, so first of all, I want to say thank you to a lot of listeners because... Last month was the first month ever that um, I sold enough merch to cover my web hosting fees. And uh, so I want to give a shout out to Sad Baby Beck, who is my girl. Don't tell her mom this, but I'm her new mommy. Uh, I also want to say thank you to Iris uh, Beatrix, um, who is a listener as well, and she bought merch, and y'all are just so good to me. Um, Also, I want to thank Robert Dennison, who's like a listener of the show. He writes in a lot, responds a lot. He paid my web hosting fees in February, and I never uh, shouted him out because I am an asshole, Um, and I'm trying to be less so, so I want to give him a big shout out and thank you. Um, You know, when you're an artist and a content creator, you slave away a lot and you feel like you're screaming into a void, which is exciting um, because you can be raw and vulnerable if you're thinking nobody's listening, right? Uh, And that is the whole crux of Decency with DeLorean is um, eight years ago when I started that show, no one was listening and um, it it provided me a platform to uh, scream into the void of the internet about you know, shit I was going through. Um, and now, uh, eight years later, uh, five people listen and that's also exciting. Um, and it's not how many, it's who is listening. And the people who listen to that show are, uh, really awesome. So thank you guys. Um, but anyways, when you're a content creator, sometimes you think, you know, oh, this is great. No one's listening. I can be, uh, unencumbered, right? No one's listening. But also, when you are working really hard to produce all this content, sometimes you uh, have days where it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Why am I slaving away at my stupid job and then I'm tired and uh, cranking out work for like what? Like, why don't I just give up and get into this uh, binge watching that everybody's doing? I hear a lot about binge watching and uh, maybe I'll quit being an artist and I'll just become a couch potato. Um, <clears throat> uh, just kidding, guys. That's not going to happen uh, because uh, I think it's really important to, uh, no matter how tired you are, work hard to be a person that you like and respect because at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. So anyways, um, it is good to know that people are listening and it makes my hard work feel worthwhile. Um, when people are listening, they're enjoying the product, and holy moly, 
they are paying for it um and so you know it, like i'm i'm getting i'm getting dangerously close to breaking even on this on a monthly basis um it's not not to say anything for the hundreds of dollars that i've invested it's a labor of love um, so thank you everybody out there. And actually I want to say that Sad Baby Beck is the first official sponsor of the show, which is so cool. Um, for $5 a month, you too can, uh, be featured. I'll advertise whatever you are selling, um, on four episodes for just $5. So that's kind of a value, right? Um, but, uh, so Sad Baby Beck, at Sad Baby Beck on Twitter is hilarious, and I love her, um, and I think everyone should follow her. I, it's, I'm having a hard time deciding what tweets I want to share to give, like, a representation of the content she's bringing. There was one night where she was on a Twitter storm, and I, I think she might, I don't, listen, I'm not going to accuse anybody of everything. I think she might have been live tweeting a mushroom trip and it made my life. Um, so anyways, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm scrolling through, uh, the, trying to find something that is like, uh, just amazing. One time, uh, her grandma made her some food and she ate it to be polite. And then she was like tweeting about like, God damn it, grandma. Now I have diarrhea. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, here's one. Uh, my lips look like a lubed butthole. Is that not poetry? I feel like it is. Um, and, uh, yeah. In my next life, I want to be a bowl of soup. Um, these are just all, it's all golden. I feel like I'm not even uh, doing any of it justice. So just follow Sad Baby Beck on uh, Twitter and you'll see what makes me happy. And you can, as you're scrolling through uh, her feed, you'll, it'll be like you and I are doing the same thing at the same time. How uniting is that? Um, so anyways... Uh, sponsorship ad spots out of the way <laughs> you know business first part bi business in the front party in the rear um an update on what's going on in my life I uh just got back from what I would consider to be a life-changing event and that is I went to the um, Moturn Media Extravaganza in Danvers, Massachusetts. If you guys aren't familiar with Matt Farley and what Matt Farley does, I feel like you're really missing out and you should look up the Moturn Media playlist on Spotify. The thing is, Matt Farley has thousands of songs that he's written and recorded and put out there and they're available on iTunes, Amazon. Spotify. You can hire him to write a custom song. Um, and a lot of people just know him as the poop song guy, because if you say, hey, Alexa, play the poop song, it's going to play his song. And that's great. Um, but the thing about Matt Farley is he is one of the, maybe the most prolific song writer like living, most prolific living songwriter. And that maybe gets lost in the shuffle because he is the poop song guy, but he also 
writes beautifully crafted, uh, touching songs. And if you tweet at him or email him or call him, uh, he will reach out and interact with you. Um, I once asked him what the chord progression was to one of my favorite songs of his, and he wrote back immediately with what it was, which was exciting because um, I was teaching myself how to play keyboard uh, by playing poop songs. Um, and he has an annual event called the Motern Media Extravaganza where him and some bandmates do a five and a half hour long concert uh, of his songs from various projects. And people from all over the world come to this event and uh, I had tried to go last year and just, hey, if you listen to this podcast, you know that last year my life was kind of a mess. Um, so I bought a ticket and wasn't able to make it out. And I, I thought Matt wouldn't notice, right? Because with all of his fans, he's not going to notice one person who's missing. Um, but he sent me a package of CDs and a record and a note saying that he had played one of my songs between sets, which is incredibly touching and such an honor. And so I made a point of going this year and I'm really glad that I did. First of all, I never would have gone to Boston. I had an idea in my mind of what Boston was and I feel like most of that was based on the movie The Fighter and every person uh, from Boston that I have met out in Arizona who was a, l a trash can of a human being. Um, so, uh, but listen, I'm dedicated. I'm a fan. I'm going to Boston. And, um, the only flights available from Phoenix were red eye flights because whatever. So I arrive in Boston at five in the morning and I can't check into my hotel until three in the afternoon. So I take a bus to a boat depot and I took a water taxi into Boston and I wandered around the city all day by myself. And uh, lo and behold, I had a great time. The people of Boston were very nice. Um, it's a beautiful city. It's clean. Um, I went to like a hipster, I don't know, foodie sort of um, picture a food court in a mall, right? But this is with good food. And I had, um, right next to each other, uh, were two vegan bakeries and I bought a donut from each of them and I sat down to compare and, um, I had, uh, what I would consider to be the worst vegan donut that I've ever had in my life and the best vegan donut that I've ever had in my life. Uh, I also don't get jealous, Zach. I, uh, and here I am, you know, I haven't slept. I'm on a red-eye flight. I've been wandering around the city homeless. I'm greasy. I'm fatigued. Um, and I, I got hit on by a very handsome hipster, uh, gentleman. He gave me a free pretzel. Um, I'm not going to brag or anything, but that's, DeLorean still got it, guys. DeLorean still has it, even when she's road-weary. So um, I wander around Boston. I have a great time. And I uh, take another water taxi from a different port so I can see different views of the water. And uh, I go back to the bus depot. I take the bus back to the airport. I take the bus 
to Peabody, which I think I'm supposed to pronounce Peabody. Um, and uh, from there, I take an Uber to my hotel. I stayed at the luxurious nights in Danvers, which uh, they didn't feel it necessary to clean the bathroom on my account. And that's, it is what it is because um, what I did to pay for this trip was I worked an extra shift a week for two months. And um, that's, you know, listen, I want everyone to keep this in mind for next year's extravaganza. You have 18 months, so you don't have to work that hard. You know, work an extra shift a month. Get your life together. Go to Danvers. Um, but yeah, so I, I wasn't going to go all out. I thought, here's a budget motel. I stay at those. Uh, this one maybe was on the lower end of that. Uh, it was the first time I've ever felt um, remorse after doing uh, yoga on the floor of a hotel room. Because I do that a lot. I, I have to, you know, stretch, work out the bod when I travel. Um, and uh, yeah, this was the first time after doing yoga on a hotel room floor, I thought that was a regrettable decision. Um, let me go shower off in this bathroom that also leaves a lot to be desired. But, um, you know, a good vacation, you don't spend a lot of time in the hotel room. Um, so it's, uh, it, it doesn't matter really, you know, as long as there's a bed and a toilet and hopefully you don't get bed bugs, like what, you know, like let's not, let's not put on airs, you know? Um, so, uh, so I, I ended up being contacted by some other Motern Media fans through uh, Twitter. Um, Odalon Green, also a songwriter, offered to give me a ride uh, to lunch the next day. Everyone met up for lunch. Um, so I think there were about eight of us and uh, great people. Here's the thing about being a good person. Uh, Matt Farley, if you're listening, is uh, he's a good person. So the people who are attracted to what he does are also really good, nice, interesting people. Um, and so I just um, I don't I don't know if I can articulate how meaningful it is that I went on a trip alone to meet up with strangers and um, I never felt lonely or awkward the whole time because everyone was so friendly and welcoming and just delightful. Um, so I had lunch uh, in Danvers with everyone and it's a beautiful town. It has a small town vibe. It's just it's charming. There's greenery, which is exciting for me um, as a desert dweller. Uh, greenery is always exciting. And, um, so we go, we go to the show and people will say five and a half hour concert. That's ridiculous. It was amazing. Um, Matt writes out, uh, a program letting you know, uh, when each set will end. There's mandatory socializing in between, which, um, is great because, yeah, why the, the weirdest thing ever to me is when you're in a room with a small group of people and like people are staying and talking to only one other person. Like, you know, there's only 30 of us in this room. Can we please make friends? Um, I just I went to a lot of hipster parties when I was younger where it's the same people you see week after week and we're just 
staring across the room from each other, not saying hi. And you're just that it's it's the most ridiculous thing in the entire universe. Shake hands, get to know names, ask people where they're from, what they do, which uh, Matt wrote on the program, a uh, guide. If you know, if you don't know how to if you don't know how to start a conversation with a stranger, here's some Here's some starters. And so there were some uh, suggestions for conversational starters um, just in case you were, you know, feeling shy or feeling awkward or nervous. Um, So anyways, I met a lot of really cool people with interesting jobs and interesting hobbies, a lot of talented people. And um, there was a dance segment. Uh, Your girl doesn't dance, uh, but I did because all you need is one move. And you don't even worry about rhythm. Try. You can try. But if you're like me and you have a terrible case of the Caucasians, no one really cares. I think people think um, that people are, are paying more attention to them than everyone cares mostly about themselves. And so it's pointless to be insecure about stuff because chances are nobody is paying as much attention to you as you are to yourself. And also, you're being a narcissist by thinking that, like, by caring so much about your little flaws or being, thinking everyone else cares. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit self-involved, no judgment, but let's all try to be less uh, shy and awkward. Um, I don't, like, I don't, is this interesting programming? Um, during the dance segment, the River Beast uh, from one of Matt's movies made a dance appearance, and that was very exciting. Um, my favorite thing, not my favorite thing, one of my favorite things is uh, the show ends at 9, and that's great. It says at 9 o'clock, everybody go home. Nothing good happens after 9, and I can fully support that sentiment. I think... I don't go to a lot of live music events and uh, most of it's I don't like being around crowds and drunk people. I'm also not a late night person. So maybe I would go to more shows if they happened, if they started in the early afternoon and uh, only soft drinks were served and then at nine o'clock everyone had to go home. I feel like maybe I would. Um... It's funny because uh, my boyfriend goes to a lot of concerts. He's constantly going to shows and traveling to go to shows. And um, I've never gone to a show with him. Uh, and then uh, I, I, f- I fly to Boston to go to a five and a half hour concert. And so I, I you know, I'm sorry, Zach. I mean, maybe... Maybe if any of the bands you were into, um, number one, played daytime sober shows or number two, uh, were as interesting to me as Matt Farley is, maybe I would go to shows. But, um, you know, it's the, the heart wants what the heart wants. And I just I can't give a good gosh darn uh, about a bunch of cool dudes with a bunch of pedals playing songs that mean nothing to me they have no emotional resonance but there's pedals and there's a lighting board who gives a shit uh not me um so anyways nine o'clock go home great um I spend another night in the nights in Danvers 
And uh, the next morning, get this, guys. Matt Farley meets people for breakfast. And it's weird. I'd, I've met celebrities in my lifetime. Um, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I've met famous people. And like whatever, right? Um, but it's, it's, this is something that I'm having a hard time going, oh my God, this like really happened. I had breakfast with Matt Farley, but that's a thing that happened. And, um, so there's breakfast and then he challenges anyone who wants to, to some one-on-one basketball at the local park. And, um, I obviously didn't play. Listen, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not good at the sports I do play, let alone the ones that I don't. Um, anyone who has played racquetball with me can attest that uh, I have enthusiasm, um, but s- skill isn't really uh, on the table there. Um, so there was basketball. We did a walking tour of um, places from his movies and where album art was shot and some of the other band members came and uh, just exciting stuff. And then, okay, I rode, don't, don't get jealous people. I rode in Matt Farley's car and we talked about art stuff and podcasting and creation and it's a surreal experience when you listen to someone's music and their podcast it's a surreal experience to actually talk to them in person uh, it's something I don't know if it's sunken in yet that this is my new reality right I've moved into a higher echelon of of socializing with creators I um yeah I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a social climbing networking LA type person. Um, so to me, this is like a it's a weird experience, right? To then I, I we go to Matt Farley's house to film a scene for his upcoming movie. And um, it's always exciting for me to be involved in other people's projects because it's just relaxing to not be in charge, you know, just hang back. Do what you're told, you know, uh, n- tap your foot to the beat of the music and let everybody else, let let the director, let the actors do everything. Um, and so uh, I'm going to I'm going to make an appearance in a movie, guys, and not like the movie I've been in before, which was objectively terrible but if you type in Sydney DeLorean frazzled you can see me get murdered on YouTube and for anyone who doesn't like me that'll be exciting for you and um I'll do a disclaimer that I have taken acting classes since that movie was shot and I am marginally better at acting uh than I was then the most important thing I learned in in one of my classes was that um the key to being on camera is doing less. Um, someone who I grew up, a theater fan, uh, I went to a performing arts junior high school with a lot of theater. I'm a, a lot of my friends are like improv actors and shit, which is, we're just big, loud people in real life. We're 
exaggerated human beings. And so my acting teacher uh, for this film course would always say, you look crazy on film. Just talk to the camera like you're talking to someone in front of you, uh, to which I, you know, am wildly flailing my arms saying, this is how I talk to people who are in front of me. Um, and uh, it had to be explained to me over and over again. You look crazy. You don't, this isn't believable. Um, and uh, so the key to being on film, doing less, doing little. If I, uh, if I feel like I am barely registering a pulse, then apparently that's good acting and um, projecting or being emotional or being anything, any acting in any way like how I act in reality is apparently bad acting. I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I make a living by pretending that I like people and that I'm their friend and I care about them. And I have a big following of bar regulars who think that I'm their best friend and that's acting. Um, so I don't know. But anyways, I'm going to be in that movie. Um, he, I peed in Matt Farley's bathroom and he did not charge me for this. And usually when you go to a national landmark, they do charge an admission fee. So, um... I don't know. I got a free visit to uh, just what I what I would assume will one day be, uh, you know, have a commemorative plaques and be plated in gold. Uh, and people will say this is where the toilet bowl cleaners were shaped and inspired. Um, so all of that happened. My life is surreal, right? I'm hobnobbing with the who's who. Of East Coast filmmaking. Um, and uh, it, it, Peter Kaplowski has a singing role in this movie. He flew back early from the Cannes Film Festival for this. So like, big deal, right? Huge deal. Um, and since this is a Pup Dates, I'm gonna let everybody know. Um, I met Matt's dog, her name's Pippi. I'm sure if you listen to the Motern Media infomercial podcast, you've heard about Pippi. Uh, Pippi is a peppy puppy. And uh, his wife Elizabeth had pep, uh, Pippi all harnessed in on a leash and she was very enthusiastic. She's a very enthusiastic dog. She's excited about the world around her. So um, she's also a black dog, like a grayish dog, which you know is the best. Um, black and white dogs are the best. Um, so all of this happens. The filming wraps. It's great. I awkwardly ask Matt if I can take a picture with him, um, because you want to act like you're cooler than things or whatever, but like, I'm not, I'm not too cool for anything. Um, if you, if you meet an idol, you got to get a picture, right? Um, so, so, uh, Another attendee of the extravaganza had a flight out that day, Mitch, Mitch the lawyer. And so Mitch the lawyer and I go, we have lunch at a cute little pizzeria in Danvers. And then uh, he gives me a ride to the airport, which is super nice. Again, the nicest people, because I was planning on Ubering around town all weekend and taking an Uber to the bus stop, to the bus, to the airport. And uh, Mitch's kindness saved me this whole Rube Goldberg transit situation. Um, don't at me about how I should have rented a car. I don't like to drive in unfamiliar towns. It stresses me out. Everyone thinks they're a great driver. 
And I am here to say I am mediocre at best. And it doesn't get better when I'm driving an unfamiliar vehicle in an unfamiliar city. So I tend to, um, if I'm driving on a road trip, I drive to where I'm going. The car stays parked at the hotel. The rest of the time, it's walking or public transit. Um, If I'm flying somewhere, it's Uber Central. Because I just, you know what's a real bummer? Is if you have to deal with like, insurance claims on a rental car. Uh, I know my limitations as a human being. I am very talented in a lot of regards. Driving, not, it's not my strong point, right? I, I do it because I have to. I don't do it. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I just love to drive. I love vehicles. I love car. I, no. What? I, I, I like to get around and so then I, that's why I own a car and that's why I drive it. But um, the actual act of driving, whatever. So um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, it took me a million years to get home because the only flights out of Boston uh, Sunday night had layovers. And so I had to fly from Boston to Philadelphia. And I want to talk to you all also after a weekend of airline travel. Let me talk to you all about the crisis that is happening with luggage. We all have too much figurative and literal baggage. And now that airlines make you pay $25 to check a bag, the things that people are passing off as carry-ons is insane. People have these monstrosities that they're calling a carry-on. They have a giant suitcase that's their carry-on, and then you're allowed one personal item, and that's also a smaller bag. And so, loading the plane takes forever because everyone has to jam these giant things into the overhead, and then they don't all fit ever because everyone has too much baggage. So then the flight staff has to come around and then take people's bags and go, oh, we'll do a free courtesy check and we'll throw this under the plane for you for free. And it takes 45 minutes to load a gosh darn airplane. Can we please start just charge us all 50 more dollars for our airline ticket and give us free baggage so we can load onto the plane in a decent manner. Also, apparently planes don't load now in order of where you're sitting, which is what would make sense to me, right? We start with the back, we work our way to the front, we're not tripping over each other. I go to amusement parks a lot. There's a ride load system where everything's numbered and the way that you get on the ride coordinates to the most efficient way to get butts and seats, right? Um, that's not how planes work. So they load you based on, I, I guess, the class system. I don't know. I bought my ticket on Orbitz and I was group nine, which is the last boarding group. But every flight I was on on this trip... Um, I had an inside seat, right? I have a window seat, but I'm the last aboard. So then every time I got on a plane, two people had to get up into the get up out into the aisle to let me in to get to the window. Why wasn't I in the first boarding group so I could It's a mess. It's a fucking mess. And then you can't get off the plane in a timely manner because everyone has to 
get their bag out of the overhead compartment and it's like delivering a baby and this birth is breach. It is a mess. And I'm sitting there, I'm in the back of the plane thinking, man, I really need to make a connecting flight. Sure would be great if I could get off this plane and they'll even, as in the case of my flight from Boston to Philly on my way home, the plane lands 45 minutes late and I only had a 55 minute layover. So I'm really hoping to get the fuck off this airplane and they make an announcement saying, hey, if Philly is your final destination, please remain seated and let others get off the plane first so they may catch their connecting flight. But do people listen to that? No, everyone, not one but stayed in a seat. And there's no way that this wasn't anyone's final destination. Um, so anyways, everyone has to exit the plane whether or not they're in a hurry to catch a connecting flight. And it takes them forever to get off the plane because they have to deliver their breach birth luggage. Not me, I'm traveling light. I have a backpack. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a decent human being. Um, so here I am. I'm hungry. And I was planning on eating on this layover. And it looks like the Philadelphia airport has some excellent food options. But do I get to taste any of them? Of course not, because I am running through the airport trying to catch my next flight, which I get on the plane. I get on the plane on time and they shut the doors. And guess what? That plane took off an hour late because first there's they're missing a bulb the captain says hey i'm missing a bulb that i need to read things in the cockpit so it's going to be about a half hour till they get us this bulb all right cool awesome great and then he gets his bulb and says all right i got my bulb we're going to be taking off shortly five minutes later just kidding. We're not going anywhere. We need some wing walkers. There aren't, we, we're out of wing walkers. There aren't enough wing walkers to walk the wings so that we can take off. And I don't know what that is, but it sounds important. Uh, the, the wing walkers, they got to walk the wings. They, they got to walk the wings. We need to make sure the wings are walked and they're good to go. They're not going to fall off or malfunction. So I'm hungry. And I think, can we please just get in the air? And I can get some gosh darn pretzels. Can I get some Biscoff crackers? I didn't, I didn't have time to eat. My tummy's grumbling. Well, we're in the air, but we're, we're flying through a storm, which means they can't, the flight attendants can't pass refreshments because this plane is bouncing all over the playground, you know? I say you know too much. If 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 you ever want to hate yourself, do a podcast and take note of how frequently you say like or you know and then you realize that your speech patterns are truly representative of your generation, which is it is what it is, right? We mimic the language of those around us. That's how we learn to speak language. But when you find out that you are just as annoying as everybody else, it's something to reckon with. Um, so anyways, I'm hungry. We're not getting, I'm not getting crackers. We're, we're, we're bumping around. We're bouncing around. Finally, it's three hours in and those carts and you're, I'm watching the carts. I'm watching, I'm waiting 
oh God, this is going to be my moment to shine. I get two crackers wrapped in a package. And I think, you know, well, was, all right, I guess, you know, it's just light dinner. It's, you know, losing weight never hurt anybody because uh, that's what society's told me. So, okay, maybe these will, they'll, they'll expand in my stomach and I'll feel full. Um, I did not. I also will say that I was, uh, I was seated next to a larger man who, uh, he was a two seat situation. So, um, I, I couldn't reach up to hit the flight attendant call button to ask for more food because he was sleeping and sprawled out and I couldn't climb over him to get the flight attendant call button. I also couldn't because he's sound asleep and sprawled out um I couldn't go to the restroom that whole flight and that it was it was a little touch and go so I was just I was trying to limit my fluid intake uh I just was chewing on ice cubes um hoping that I wouldn't seriously have to pee because it just it was a thing it was a situation and um I've never been so hungry in my life I've been hungrier but it wasn't good um also there was a guy on my first flight that day in first class who was picking scabs off his face and then putting them in a neat tidy pile uh on one of his thighs like in his lap he's got a neat tidy pile of scabs and because first class loads first every person who got on the plane after first class watched him do it. I don't, he was being very meticulous about what was happening and it continues to confuse me to this day. I'm not above being a gross person. You know, I, sometimes when I'm stressed, I pick off my fingernails, but I don't do that in public because I, I have the level of self-control where I can pretend that I'm not a disgusting monster when other human beings can see me. You know, there, there are things that are private behavior and uh, I don't like when that happens in public. It was one of my biggest pet peeves when I lived in New York because basically you're always in public when you live in a big city. Um, your commute is in public. You spend a lot of time in public spaces because you live in a shithole. And so just like watching couples pop each other's zits on the subway or whatever, um, not my favorite, not my favorite. Let's keep our private behavior private. Am I right, folks? Am I right? Um, so yeah, my plane lands 10 fucking hours of air travel is too much. Um, and this is why I've never traveled internationally. I have some friends who are super snooty about like, oh, you you don't travel internationally. Fuck you. I, I spent $80,000 on college. You know, I, I, I paid cash for a lot of my college education. Um, I, I didn't have money to travel. So I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I, I made my choices. But also, I don't know if I ever want to spend 13 hours on a plane. It It might break me as a human being. I might... I might become the person who's picking scabs on my face and putting them in a pile on my lap. I don't know what'll happen to me if I spend that long on an airplane, but it can't be good. Um, anyways, I get in at one in the morning and uh, my friends Ryan and Sarah, who were watching Frank, were nice enough to pick me up and uh, they surprised me with two things. Number one, Frank was in the car and he was wearing a little yellow and green hoodie and he was sitting on a red blanket and he was very happy to see me and it was adorable. Number two, without having me communicate anything to them, 
Sarah made me a snack pack. She made me a fruit salad snack pack. She made me a trail mix snack pack. I have never felt so cared for and taken care of in my entire life because when you've gone through the trials and the tribulations of being stuck on a plane with no food and no way to get to the bathroom and all you want is some gosh darn fruit and a tiny dog and then there it is without you having to communicate that want and that desire it's just it's a beautiful thing the world is beautiful um anyways <laughs> i got my tiny dog they took me back to their house where my car was i drove home to my house i slept and i thought man tomorrow it's going to be a great day. I'm going to take a nice hot shower in my shower, which is clean because I clean it. What a joy. Uh, but that's not that's not how my life works. Um, because the next morning when I went to shower, we had no hot water because our hot water heater caught on fire while I was on vacation. And this is the danger. This is the danger of having a good time. I had a perfect three days in Boston and Danvers. I, I can't even articulate the sort be, because my idea of a good time is in fact uh, Christian youth group fun. I love a wholesome good time. I had a wholesome good time. It was a, it was amazing. Um, and then when you go back to reality of like a job and bills and a house where things break. Oh man, what a bummer. Uh, so no hot water. Uh, think, thankfully, I have a membership to two different gyms. And so I, I'm able to go to a place and take a hot shower. I didn't have to take a cold shower. But, uh, you know, it's just how how the world works. Is uh, You know, I'm, I'm back in my neighborhood where we have uh, homeless camps. And uh, I got this tiny dog who's going through some health problems. And uh, I got no hot water. Uh, so what are you going to do? Also, I want to touch on before I'm, I, I end this ramble fest that is anyone still listening? Bless your heart. If you are, I'm sorry, or you're welcome. Whatever this experience is for you. If it's bad, I'm sorry. If you're loving it, you're welcome. Uh, you know, there's all the things in the world right now of women, you know, tweeting, men are trash, I hate men, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. I get that sentiment. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I have a lot of positive, respectful interactions with men. Uh, and that's great. Um, however, this week has been a week of men thoroughly disrespecting the fact that I have a phone and um, it, I I got a text saying uh, and it must be someone who follows me on social media. Uh, I don't think it's actually someone who was at the extravaganza. I got a text saying um, I'm trying to see if I can find it, but I, I probably deleted it because it was so so uh, gross and upsetting. 
Um, but I got I got a text saying, uh, "Hey, uh, I met you at or I saw you, I saw you at the extravaganza. If you're still in town and want to hook up, let me know. I think you're really hot." And first of all, I know it wasn't someone who was at the extravaganza because I met everybody there. So it must be someone who follows me on social media and um, was playing some sort of non-humorous prank on me. Um, And it's just gross. Like, what do you if I want to hook up like I'm just I'm hanging out in town with nothing to do and just uh want to want to hook up with a stranger who doesn't uh who I they must have gotten my phone number through the uh through the podcast and uh thought oh I follow Sydney on social media let me send her this text uh if, if you're still in town and want to hook up let me know if you're interested think you're pretty hot uh go f- fuck yourself I in what world is that how relationships or sexual things happen is you say hey we're in the same zip code uh you want to do each other um it's just gross and unpleasant and I don't uh I don't enjoy that um and uh, so if you're listening to this, you can just go ahead and unfollow me on social media and uh, you don't need to play comedy jokes on me uh, or, or contact me ever because uh, I use my phone number for the show because most people who listen to this, I would dare I say I used to say all, but now I know some creepo is listening, but everyone else who listens to this is really cool. I love talking to the listeners. Um, they cue me into things that I might be interested in or stuff I don't know. And they're, uh, it's just a nice supportive community. I, uh, I love all of you, but one is what I can say confidently now. Um, so that happened and I'm like, Jesus Christ, people are gross. And then, um, last night I got some creepy texts and to give a backstory, uh, I had a manager at a restaurant job a decade ago and I ran into him two years ago. He lives in LA now and we exchanged phone numbers because I was thinking about moving to LA and he was said, Oh, if you, if you do make it out there, I can help connect you with jobs or whatever. Um, and, uh, so we exchanged phone numbers. That's it. We've never had a flirtation. There's never been anything like that. Um, and so I get a text, uh, last night. Hey, how are you doing? I said, good. How about you? Good. Uh, what color is your hair now? Is it blonde or pink? And I said, blonde. And he responded, nice, still good body, question mark, to which I wrote, I just wrote no, because to me, I'm like, I'm not, this is no, no, this conversation isn't happening. No. And he wrote back, lol, threesome ever, question mark. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? 
You were my manager at a job 10 years ago. I exchanged phone numbers with you for professional reasons. And now you're asking me uh, through text if I still have a good body. You know, whether or not I ever had a good body or you had opinions on my body, you should keep that information to your fucking self because my body doesn't exist for you to comment on. Like, you gross, red-faced alcoholic. Why don't you focus on whether or not you have a good body? How about you focus on that first? I, and that's one of Listen, I'm not going to get on the men are trash train. But I will say this. One of my favorite things is the men who objectify women the most or who are the most vocal about it seem to be the ones who need to focus the most on themselves. Like... You haven't bought a new pair of jeans since 2005. Your haircut's from Great Clips and you want to comment on a woman's opinion. Oh, she was so much hotter before she cut all her hair off. She, you know, women are prettier with long hair. Why, why can't they just, you know, have, do things solely to please us? Why would they ever get a haircut for convenience or because they like the way it looks? They, you know, or the the way women do their eyebrows these days. Dude, you you dye your goddamn mustache. You have white roots on a brown mustache and you're going to comment on how women today do their eyebrows? Get out of my face. So like that's just a total aside is that the men who who are most vocally critical or have the most vocal commentary on women's appearance are always men where it's like do you need to deal with whatever the fuck is happening with you because I am visually upset at you being within my line of vision um so anyways yeah you were my manager at a restaurant 10 years ago and you want to know if I still have a good body go fuck yourselves because you know who my body affects me, just mostly me, just mostly me because I live with it. So I want to keep it healthy. And um, if I want it to look a certain way or wear certain clothes or do whatever the fuck I want with my body, that's my business. I don't know why the fuck this is. It's just an abuse of a telephone number is what I'm saying is happening to me. It's blanket abuse of a telephone number. And um, I am not here for it. I do not enjoy it. I am not that type of person. I don't know that there is a type of woman who enjoys being sexually objectified by men. I, I never say never, right? I, and do I want my husband to sexually objectify me? Yeah, sometimes because that's our business. That's, that is our, our marital stuff that happens between us. Um, do I give a good goddamn if some person who is a practical stranger to me who just happens to have, they know my name and they know my telephone number, do I give a good goddamn what they have to say about my appearance? I do not. So I don't know if there is a type of woman out there who likes that. I don't. I, my gender identity is somewhere between Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High Robin Williams in the 80s and David S. Pumpkins as portrayed by Tom Hanks on SNL. Like, I am not 
a girly girl. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a coquettish, like, oh, I'm going to flirt and manipulate men with my feminine wiles and be all, oh, breathy. Ooh. That's not me. I don't play those games. I don't think I put out that vibe. So when I get situations like this, it's always shocking to me. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I, my interactions with most men, I'm relating to them on an equal plane. I consider us to be bros. And thankfully, most men in my life relate back to me like that. We're, we're bros. We're buddies. That's the situation. Um, and when things like this happen, I am bothered by them. Um, anyways, also the next person who tells me that... I would look good in some sort like, oh, you would really look good. Have you ever thought about doing pinup modeling? Have you, I mean, I'm sorry, what? Have you ever thought of, it happens more than you would think. I, because, or, or you, you would look good in that 50s style or whatever. And it's like, I, I think they're trying to say something nice that is a compliment. However, I'm, I'm not a Barbie doll for other people to dress up or project on. And just because you think that I'm, built some kind of way or I you you think that some kind of look would look good on me um doesn't mean that I'm not it I have I have eyes so I know what clothing looks like I know what clothing options are available and I'm an adult with a job and a checking account so I can buy whatever clothes I want to wear right and they aren't that so let's just make the assumption that people are wearing the style that makes them most comfortable. I, they, No one is blind to the world around them and they're dressing a certain way because they don't know that there are other options out there. I assume most people are dressing in a way that makes them comfortable. And so it's really annoying when people are like, oh, you you would look really good in like a pinup-y look. You should do pinup modeling. Oh, get out of my face. Like... I'm built a certain way, which to me feels comically feminine um, because I'm just not that type of person. Like it, it sometimes feels ridiculous to me, uh, like, you know, that I have this hourglass figure, which is enviable. And I, I'm not trying to like, you know, act like I'm not thankful for whatever quote unquote assets I've been given. Right. But it's not something that I feel inherently comfortable in because it's again my my gender identity is is 80s Robin Williams so like if I'm built like a, a Kardashian that's that's an accident um and it just drives me nuts and that's happened to me a couple of times this week where people have brought up like the pinupy stuff or like whatever and I'm like you know you're I'm you're never gonna see me in some sort anything that involves being uncomfortable I'm not gonna do so like garters and heels and whatever get get out of my face uh with that and um it just yeah having that projected on me makes me feel uh misgendered as the kids would say and um I don't I don't enjoy that and so I, I it's something to keep in mind uh when dealing with other people is uh when you are saying like oh you'd be so pretty if you you know did this or did that like well maybe I'm not 
maybe they're not trying to be pretty, right? Like, oh, Katy Perry was so pretty before she cut her hair off. Well, you know what? She wanted to cut her hair off. And that's great. And it's not, it's not for you. Um, so yeah, don't abuse people's telephone numbers. Don't try to tell them what to do with their physical appearance. Um, let people be themselves. And also, go to gosh darn Danvers, because it is a lovely town. And uh, I can't uh, speak highly enough of it. And um, check your bags. Check your baggage. Check, check your emotional baggage. All right? All right? Check on it. You know? Deal with it. Um, and then check your bags under a plane. Uh, all right. <laughs> Happy Monday, everyone. <laughs>